On today's episode, neuromuscular versus aerobic runners with Owen Everard. Welcome to the Run Smarter podcast, the podcast helping you overcome your current and future running injuries by educating and transforming you into a healthier, stronger, smarter runner. If you're like me, running is life, but more often than not, injuries disrupt this lifestyle. And once you are injured, you're looking for answers and met with bad advice and conflicting messages circulating the running community. The world shouldn't be like this. You deserve to run injury-free and have access to the right information. That's why I've made it my mission to bring clarity and control to every runner. My name is Brody Sharp. I'm a physiotherapist, a former chronic injury sufferer, and your podcast host. I am excited that you have found this podcast and by default, become the Run Smarter Scholar. So let's work together to overcome your injury, restore your confidence, and start spreading the right information back into your running community. So let's begin today's lesson. I must say, I have really enjoyed, personally, the last few Run Smarter episodes, the interviews I've done, because it's really changed the way I've thought about running. Even after 270-odd episodes, um, we had Andrew talking about hydration, which was a game-changer for me. We had Steph talking about the um, Q&As with collagen supplements and that sort of stuff. That's again, changed the way I see or treat runners and think about running. Then we had Kevin, obviously uh, big game changers there in the world of pain, pain science and uh, overcoming injuries. And now we have Owen coming on to talk about neuromuscular and aerobic runners, essentially splitting runners into two camps. Um, changing the way they're training, changing the way they rehab, changing the way they prepare for races based on which camp you fall into. So we're going to dive into whether you are a neuromuscular runner or an aerobic runner, exactly what the differences are, why there are differences, and how you can best prepare for reducing your risk of injuries, preparing for, say, a marathon or a 5K, no matter what type of runner you are. Owen is a physio. He is in Ireland. He has a very... Um, impressive background in terms of running endeavors and records and that sort of stuff, which you'll share shortly. And yeah, we dive into all things neuromuscular and aerobic running. Owen, thanks for joining me on the podcast today. Thanks so much, Brody. I've listened to a good few of your podcasts. I'm a physio myself, so uh, get a lot out of them. Excellent. Excellent. Well, um, I'm excited to dive into this topic today. Um, but before we dive into looking at the different types of runners, do you mind just giving a brief introduction about yourself, both like you've, uh, the physio side of things, but also you've got a very interesting running career. So would you mind just telling us about that? Yeah. So I suppose running wise, um, I'm a sub four minute miler, uh, then would have moved up. So I'm kind of sub eight minutes for 3K, sub 14 minutes for 5K and then sub 30 minutes for 10K. So it's a nice little range. Um, represented Ireland from like 800 meters at like European senior level, uh, 1500 meters and then 10K cross country. So again, kind of uh, like a good, good uh, spectrum of PBs and I've, I've run for Ireland, you know, over 10 times. And I'm currently the over 35 masters uh, European champion. Um, 
yeah and then i'm a chartered physiotherapist here in ireland and i run a sports pilates course and then i lecture here i have a phd in biomechanics so that's a very quick uh, overview yeah very quick but um very impressive at the same time and i guess when it comes to um the physio career side of things you seem to like based on what i've seen hone in on more the pilates side of things is that just a particular interest or um yeah something that you've had from the get-go i kind of had it like i i i would be given like specific rehabs to um to patients and then it would have started with a lot of them like the adherence after a while wouldn't have been great so i kind of feel like there's key areas that um tend to get weak or um like you know uh need need attention in runners you know like so if you're doing like your good balance exercises your single leg deadlifts your your glute work your core work you can kind of offset a lot of the injuries especially if you've got the initial rehabilitation so that's where i've kind of focused on you know injury prevention or um kind of maintaining a good kind of base once people are back after injuries and that's where i focus more on the uh, the sports pilates yeah great um the main topic of today was going to be around neuromuscular runners compared to aerobic runners yeah. and I've heard you talk about this on the strength running podcast, which I, I listen to constantly. Um, yeah, so Jason's I'm very interested to dive yeah, into this. Really yeah. I love Jason. I've been on his podcast a couple of times and, um, yeah, it's yeah. Uh, always dive always asking some really in-depth questions, some re- really good ones. So I'm curious to dive into this topic. Um, and I guess we start off with what, what's the difference between the two runners? What's the, the main characteristics that are different? So the two runners are neuromuscular runners and uh, aerobic runners. And the difference would have been, um, I would seen just from just more like anecdotally myself from running um, with different people throughout the years. So neuromuscular runners are runners who seem to run best when they do, they need to kind of like nearly stimulate the nervous system to the type of running that they're going to actually do themselves. So if I'm getting ready for a 10K, I need to do kind of 10K specific, like say track work or speed work, or, or even you know for 5K or even for a marathon, I need to do like running at the pace because without that, and I'd be a newer muscular runner, without that, it all, the run always feels really sluggish. It feels like you can't get into the pace. So it's someone who needs to nearly practice the race pace efforts to nearly wake up their nervous system or um, to be ready for races. And if they don't have that, then they don't perform as well as they, they can. Um, they also, how you kind of know you're a neuromuscular runner is races or doing repeated races doesn't seem to uh, tire you out or um, affect you as much. And in fact, if you've raced, like obviously if you continue to race, everyone's going to kind of burn out, but races kind of seem to bring performances on so if you race the first time you might be sluggish the second time you race you might feel even better the third time you race and then the fourth time you'll be kind of peaking that um that differs to what we'd call aerobic runners and aerobic runners are people who seem to do best when if they if they hit 
the nervous system hard like to hit like race specific efforts so if they're doing a lot of like 10k track work if they're getting ready for a 10k or if they're doing 5k track work if they're get or 5k specific sessions they seem to um they do worse and what they need is like just tempo run tempo running off heart rate aerobic runs with just some light like light strides in order to like keep the running economy but they need to keep the aerobic high not tap into the the neuromuscular as much and then they seem to get the most out of it where Kim was um yeah would we go clarify on anything there or i'll just tell you where i kind of came from just from looking at different runners i think that's a i think that's really well defined i think um talking about the neuromuscular system so essentially what you're trying to do is have the nervous system recognize that speed for the neuromuscular runners you're just trying to tap into that recognition and practice i guess you could say like using that that system in a particular speed and race and sort of recognize that um, whereas the aerobic runners are more favored towards like the slower stuff, the weekly mileage, building that up with slow base. And then, like you said, when it comes to the speed or comes to challenging, um, with pace, then it's done in more like an incremental fashion, like with strides, something that's a little bit more shorter and shorter, less like not like not neuromuscularly stimulating. And the one thing sometimes with neuromuscular runners that can be uh misconstrued is it's not like speed speed work. In fact like the aerobic the aerobic runner doing like short hills like 15 seconds might actually go quicker. It's that you need to practice you it's like you need to practice the event. So you it might be doing miles like for me and neuromuscular session might be like say four by a mile at close to my like say 5k pace or off like say a two minute recovery that wouldn't be considered speed but that's a neuromuscular session because it's really about like being on the type of like running i'll need to do those intervals whereas Mm. if you have an if you if an aerobic runner did the same type of session gradually over time they're going to start uh, getting worse rather than being feeling like they're tuned up for a race. Yeah. And so um, what you sort of alluded to before, what I think I'm understanding is this is purely based on your experiences, looking at other runners, looking at yourself, looking at the different yeah. training types and seeing what the, the benefits are. Yeah, this is only something I've started to really think about or been able to really crystallize in the last year. So I haven't done any research on this. And again, It'd be difficult. I need people to probably. I haven't even thought about how I would, how you would research it. Um, <laughs> I moved to a coach, uh, Emmett Dunleavy, very good coach, but very aerobic, aerobic heavy. And um, I got up to very good mileage, like eighty miles, you know, per week, doing a lot of aerobic, like those lactic type sessions, which would be, you know, like like six by four by six minutes at lactic threshold five by seven minutes at like marathon aerobic threshold and I was improving but it wasn't like I was improving as much as I thought I would and then I went to race um and I was like kind of miles off now in fairness I must say to Emmett I was like looking at what I'd done before and then looking at this and I was like Emma I need to be I think hitting like 
actual like intervals at the pace because he'd been giving me strides and giving me like 200 meters quick uh as as a top up and i was like it's not that it's like in the race i don't have like a metric that this feels like it and i needed to practice that prior or when i did a few races i can get it as well but it's like really like to be top end you know to run 13 58 as i did i needed to practice that so i kind of instinctively knew i needed this and i nearly thought everybody would do good with that and then i had a friend who's also a very good runner brian Marr, and he'd been doing emmett's training just the way it was always laid out had done really well and i was like he started doing some of those sessions with me and he had the opposite effect he started like uh, the more we kind of tuned up I started getting better in races and he started getting worse and I just I could then start th- you know I, I would be thinking about it I started looking and been thinking yeah we have some people and I could nearly name them who were very neuromuscular they needed that type of stimulus and then others anytime they tried that training which would be more like traditional running training you know doing your track workouts or doing your hard intervals and then doing some aerobic would have would have flattened like and that can go from as low as a mile and as high as the marathon like David McCarthy he would have come third in the NCAAs um he like he would have ran 355 and it, they, for the mile this is before the super shoes so it was very good <laughs> third I think um and he would have he would have said can you believe that I did that just off tempo like which is threshold and some strides and it, the kind of thing and I would have thought at the time the the kind of common conception would have been like oh yeah like as soon as he starts doing the tra- like the more interval track work think about what he's going to run but invariably he actually never ran quicker in the summer because he was an aerobic type so while people sometimes think I do well off base training with just strides how well I'm going to do when they tune up they actually can do worse because they're more frying their nervous system. So it's just it's just about what kind of st- stimulus you need. Mm. And that's a good illustration to point. Like people might assume like the neuromuscular runners would just favor the short stuff and the aerobic runners would just favor the long stuff. Um, but just to your point there, like aerobic runners can train themselves very much to perform very well at short distances. Jakob Ingebrigtsen is like probably the quintessential aerobic runner and he's like 1500 meter Olympic champion. Do you know, like, but like all his training is, all his training is lactic. Nearly mm. all of it. Like even though the speeds are ridiculous, he does not go into like, he doesn't go into these like lactic busting sessions. He just does, aero- he's, his aerobic is so strong. The speeds we can't even fathom but his lactic threshold, like they're so big on it, like his lactics don't go above. So he's always in the aerobic zone, um, only for kind of speed work as a tweaking at the very end. And so that's mm. 1500 meter Olympic champion, you know, 320, like 327 for like speeds you can't comprehend, but he's still an aerobic runner. Excellent. Well, probably a good segue to ask why are there different runners? Like, have you, since you've just witnessed and observed all these different runners responding differently to training, do you have some theory as to why some people morph into neuromuscular and some sort of favor the aerobic style? 
I believe you're, I believe you're born with it. I believe there's like, you're born either aerobic or you're no muscular. And it's not a thing of one being better than the other. It's just knowing what type of training stimulus will, will help you the most. So, um, I think you'll know it naturally. Like if I come back, if I've been on a break, I, I'm, my aerobic is slow to come back. My, like the threshold paces are slow to come back. Like I'm not, I'm not quit. Like I'm not coming back to aerobic or, or, or like aerobic, even type of runs can feel difficult. But if I had to do two hundreds, um, you are probably going to be naturally better at like repeated efforts just naturally. And then like invariably say a cross country season, as I said, I've, I've represented Ireland in 10 K cross country and I've come fourth I think that year I came fourth in a county. So there might be like legit, like Brian is good and, and a guy, uh, Thomas Hayes, but like legit, like the rest, the rest of the competition was atrocious. And then, but I, I've not even done well in that. And then the following two, three weeks, I've beaten all the guys. And then the following kind of month, I'm now like coming like top six to qualify for Ireland, even though I can't, <laughs> we're my little county um whereas you'll you'll see some runners where they take a break and yet they can come back and the aerobic is quite good from the start and yet they can kind of maintain it so it's just i think it's something you naturally have if you kind of favor just general runs your aerobic your your lactic threshold is always quite good um you're probably more of an aerobic runner if you are um favoring like sprints or repeated efforts and your aerobic can take a while to develop you're probably more of an aerobic runner and it's just it's just genetically the key between it is when you stimulate the nervous system is there a tendency that that will wake up a nervous system or is it the tendency that that will essentially kind of fry the nervous system and, and kind of make you overtrained um mm. and that that'd be the the tendency to find out yeah i and so we're probably running on the theory that it's mainly genetics. And I think people listening to this, listening to the characteristics of both, they're probably gravitating towards more one or the other. Um, but is it, is it clear to say that, you know, you've mentioned people are one or the other, but is it 100%, 0%? Are some people like 70, 30, 50, 50? Is there oh, yeah. kind of I'd a blend between the two? There's definitely a blend. You'll get people who are pure like and even even i find towards like injury risk um you like i have one you're gonna have people who are if they're like 100 zero you're gonna find that i have one guy he can always do like lactic threshold his 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 threshold his aerobic running is ridiculous but if he does like kind of repeated interval work that's where he's he's got to be very careful and then other people if they're doing those continuous long runs it's like even their muscles need a, more of a break to kind of stretch out and they're fine doing like repeated intervals, but continuous long runs without a break, they're, they're in trouble. Um, yeah. so, but it's, it's not even a thing of, as you said, cause it's not like one is better than the other. It's just been, uh, and there definitely is variance cause some people will do some aerobic and then need some intervals and then other people will need like pure intervals, but it's just to be aware just being aware of your scenario and just thinking like when is it that I do best is it when I've off a kind of period of like base training with like lactic threshold 
sessions like off heart rate where I feel very controlled and maybe just like some light strides and I, I do a race and I wasn't expecting to do well and I seem to do really well and then when I get into like more sharper you know we could be on the track or we could be doing like kind of harder efforts and I think I'm going to do really well in the session in race and I seem to like not do well and that kind of continues that's lending yourself towards look you're probably more aerobic if it's like I do the kind of threshold and tempo running that people say but when I go out into the race I don't feel I can kind of pick it up I feel like oh my god I'm like stuck in a rut that would be uh, and then the next race I'm a bit better and the next race I'm a bit better but I'm never you know doing those specific sessions that would indicate that you're neuromuscular Hmm. And going back to the injury side of things, like, I guess we know that some people have a different percentage of slow twitch, fast twitch muscle fibers like that. Just quickly chiming in here to let you scholars know, I have just updated my five day injury prevention challenge. This is one email per day for five days, learning new concepts and diving into the science on how you can reduce your risk of injury. The sign up link is in the show notes. So fill in your details and I'll be waiting for you in email number one tomorrow. It's pretty much like a genetic makeup type of thing. And I guess if you're talking about performance and also injury risk, you're, I guess, adapting your training to your default mechanics or your default, like how your body likes to function. And if you have more of that fast twitch muscle fiber, then you're yes. sort of gearing towards more what your default um your default is um but is there something to be said for training your weak links like if you don't have a lot of slow twitch muscle fibers could you also adapt your training a little bit to i guess train those slow twitch muscle fibers to sort yeah. of make your body more well-rounded more resilient more you know more variety i guess yeah 100 100 and i think look if i especially if you're like like most of us Brody, like yourself and myself, it's like, look, if you're working and you like, you mightn't have time to go to a track. So it's not a thing of like, you have to like hit specific times. This would be for me, this would be like, if you have a, a period, like say in six weeks, when you know, you kind of want to get into a race and uh, race in space, if you're neuromuscular, then you might go to the track on like a Saturday and actually hit these weeks. But during the week, then I would just, I would stay aerobic stay on the minutes so you still keep that variety in but it's like you just can't go into that you can't go into that period of racing with just thinking you can do one race or without doing some like efforts at that pace um opposite then as well like that variety you know for injury risk is so important when we're saying aerobic they still need to have some of the pace in there otherwise it will feel fast the the thing we don't want to do is for that to be a stress on the body so sorry i'll go back to neuromuscular as well so you're going to keep in one aerobic type session and then maybe one kind of interval if you were someone who had all the time in the world and you were extremely uh, neuromuscular so that like you know the longer running was in trouble you would still do aerobic like if i'm if i'm purely neuromuscular if i'm trying to hit a pace so say if i want to hit a 5k I'm basically going to have to do some like speed work below the distance, say like a 3K type session, a, a hard 5K session, and then an, so an easier 3K session for speed, a 
harder kind of 5k specific session and an easier 10k session and and if it's earlier in the season when you want to be more aerobic say you just need a target race so then you would say well my target now even though i'm going to try pb in a 5k my target is a 10k so that would be a higher 10k session a hard, an easier half marathon type session so that's going to be aerobic and then maybe some speed work which is going to be a lighter kind of 5k type session uh, okay so that's what you're going to do for a neuromuscular you always just go above and below and then one kind in the hard for aerobic you just add you either add strides after with like a walk back so you're getting the speed in your legs but it's not zapping the nervous system or what you can do is you you can do reps but you can't just have that like that lactic-y uh, like short recovery because that that's going to stress you so what you want to do is have like much longer recoveries like a lap jog and then you could do 400 at the pace because what you're trying to do is just like get like some pace in you are not trying to stress your body to to replicate the feel of a race where a neuromuscular runner will want to have the feel of like yeah this is how it's going to feel in the race so they can like remember that when they're in the race if that makes sense yeah and it goes back to your very first point of you know the neuromuscular is training to, like you're training to meet the conditions of the race, like you're becoming familiar with the intensity and duration of that 100%. race. Yeah. And what I find so interesting about your history as well is you've trained like at the elite levels, but also like you've said, you've used examples of very different approaches. You've used different coaches and you've had different times off and you've almost through trial and error tweaked a whole bunch of different race preparations and then yeah used what's um and had a very you're a very good example of trying a whole bunch of different things and seeing what works for you and then like applying that very much in detail to a race for for peak performance so um i do like that i do like the the fact that not only do you have the theory and then have this applying to other runs but it's also been applied to yourself through a lot of trial and error but I know that with you, Brody, as well. It's so funny because I just, I know when, from listening to your podcast, it's like the way you think about things. It is funny when others, I think people who listen to podcasts are going to be like that because a lot of elite runners, like I would have um, done physio for the Australian, like the Melbourne Track Club when they were in um, San Diego. And it's just so funny that other people just, they just run. You know, like I'd be asking them, like, what's your exact like nutrition that you do before a race and it just they wouldn't think about it and i was like mm. or the warm-up i know exactly like i'm going to do this and we do i do like a hard 30 second effort maybe like 20 uh 20 minutes out or 15 minutes out because that helps with a thing called vo2 kinetics it kind of opens up like gives you your second wind um so then when you start to race it's like a lock it takes like six seconds to get back up to 100% VO2 max, where if you don't have that longer extended one, it can take like 30 seconds. And I'd be asking people about this and it's like, just how little consideration they give to things. I just always find so funny. Like, cause mm. I, but then my other coach would always say, it's like, or I'd always say like, your biggest strength is always your biggest weakness. So my biggest strength was I would think about a lot of things, but that was a weakness then. Cause sometimes I'd overthink. Um, where someone adds their biggest strength is they don't think so they're yeah. just they're just in zen but then 
they're not reflecting on what like or being able to adapt so it's like yeah swings and rounds about it might be a physio thing but um i always like the trial and error sort of approach and i like running little experiments and just yeah. with clients with rehab with performance with my own running and that sort of stuff but it's such a good investment do find, like do you find when you get injured i find myself like if i get an injury it takes me longer to get back because say you'll have like the control rehab you know like this will get me back in two weeks but it's like you know when you can feel an injury it's like such a chance then to like really experiment with things because you'll know mm. how everything feels <laughs> so i'll always then it'll take me like four weeks i'll also be messing around for a while like go oh yeah we'll try this different thing and i can kind of yeah banjax myself off for a while before i go back i think just to um, see is there something new yeah, well, myself, well, I haven't been injured for a long time, so um, I'm blessed for that. But I haven't really trained very hard. I just um, haven't really pushed myself that much for a while. But I know in the past I respond, which makes me kind of think maybe it's more on the neuromuscular side, but I respond really well to isometrics or like ten, yeah. Like if I've got a tendon injury, I load it up like slow, heavy load, more than what I would for my clients. And in terms of like, pain during the exercise like if i had an achilles tendinopathy i've never had it before but if i had an achilles tendinopathy i would do slow eccentric loads even if it's like a six out of ten when usually for my clients it'd be like a three or a four out of ten but i respond so well to that I, i bounce back so quickly um but i do feel like i'm more i don't know i feel like my my tendons are really strong and they respond really well i growing up i could usually jump really high i, I my yes. sprints were usually like the best like i i, I don't know really that yeah, um, got fast that twitch stiffness. sort of stuff yeah um so maybe that's maybe there's a correlation there but that's sort of what i found when it comes to recovery from my injuries um but i just run experiments if i had patellofemoral pain like usually when i do quad stretches i respond really well to that and so i told my, some of my clients oh, i'll try some stretches and it makes them worse and so yeah. you know there is a but that's only just because I've experimented on myself and um yeah 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 exactly yeah. it is worth it but like I said it's um especially when it comes to races and a lot of runners would be listening to this stuff and not even tried considering that there might be two options to prepare for a race and maybe just trying the one approach every single time and hadn't even considered maybe I'll try doing some more speed work or you know, preparing as more of a neuromuscular runner. And even if you just run that experiment, maybe just for four to six weeks for one race. And then if you respond really favorably, how good of how good is that for like an investment to then I know, say, okay, I know. maybe I'm a neuromuscular runner. And like, it's not, this is, this is, I did it. I don't know if you put it up. We did a follow on. I think it was like for his private people. So I'll just give, give you the, <laughs> the lowdown um from jason which is like we had a couple of people who were marathon runners going like i'm a, i like i totally identified like i'm a newer muscular runner but i'm doing a marathon how do i do it and i think the biggest misconception that you kind of mentioned as well earlier to clarify for listeners and i just want to clarify it again because it does be this is not you do 200 meters it's the opposite it's like if i was doing a marathon you can be a newer muscular runner running a marathon so you're probably not you're going to have to do like workouts or sessions in your long run that's going to be much more beneficial for you than just doing like like two and a half hours of a long run all the time so you you should do like 45 minutes of a warm-up 
even if the like the the time you're out there or the total mileage is down, you are going to benefit so much more. So if you go 45 minutes easy and then do a mile at marathon pace, it doesn't have to it doesn't have to have to be marathon pace. Like say five like seconds above marathon pace, but something intentional that's like this is how it's going to feel because that's the other thing. It's like you know you're going to be tapered. You're going to be um, that that is when I'm saying like the pace it's the effort you need to feel like say like a marathon effort because a lot of times people just arbitrarily like pick the pace I want to run this marathon in one they probably never ran that pace two you're going to be tapered for about two weeks you're right now in like a heavy block so it's like like wind your neck back in <laughs> and accept that you're not going to be right today wouldn't run say you know sub three hours so if you have a a pace that's like 315 you're still it's it'll feel like what three hours would feel like in a race and that's the same for me if i'm doing you know if i'm doing like a sub 14 5k that's like 430 around roughly about 430 for per mile but i might hit like 440s in this in the workout because that like in my track in kilkenny that's what like it's going to feel like when I'm spiked up and right nutrition. So you would do do say 45 minutes easy and then maybe like a mile at like marathon pace and then a mile easier steady and doing that for like three to four miles. Or Mm. you might have a time where you do like, you know, um, like two minutes on, two minutes off, some, some kind of like stimulus in the middle of your long run and then have a cool down. That's going to like, that's going to work so much better for that person than just, as you said, going out and just doing constant running or just purely doing like the, you're going to have to do the aerobic, like marathon heart rates. You're going to have to do the the lactic threshold training as well. But it's just, I would say every second week adding in like a workout to your long run um, and not overly focusing on just having this, this long run. Uh, where you gradually say pick up the pace and your mm. aerobic is getting better there you need to kind of like get used to running marathon pace and that's what neuromuscular is it's running the pace where i think sometimes people can feel like oh yeah it's like one one either neuromuscular doesn't quite count or doesn't dress like a half marathon or marathon and then two or the second thing being like oh yeah i'm neuromuscular i'll just do like 200 meter sprints on a tuesday and then mm. the rest of the training is the same and wondering why it's not transferring over it's like well you running 235 is in no way like replicating when you're going to run whatever you're going to run for like say if a three three hour 330 hour or four hour marathon you know that's the pace you need to practice yeah let's just repeat that it's it's the feel of the race you're you're trying to meet the circumstances the feel of the race which is um brings me to my point i had written down here um training for a marathon because I know most of the listeners here would at least um, have a marathon planned in the future or, uh, or had one in the past. I'd want to really break down what training really looks like for a neuromuscular runner preparing for a marathon and an aerobic runner preparing for a marathon. So you've just said for neuromuscular, when it comes to say the long run, maybe every two weeks to sprinkle yeah. in some miles of recognizing okay what is this marathon going to feel like at marathon pace and let me sprinkle that in throughout that that long run so that they get that familiarity 
um what and else not to sprinkle it... in it would be like a specific session so it would be like uh you know 45 i'm just going to try bring up the training i would like like protect like we give like with the sports pilates i kind of give like sample trainings for for that so i'm just going to ah, excellent yeah i'm just going to bring it up right now so we have it but so it's like it's just like specific um it's just specific sessions so like one one definitely just off the top of my head is like 45 minutes and then like four by a mile on mile off and then like mm. a mile cool down so it's still a long run um but it's not just say 18 miles at that easy run pace which how common is that oh like ridiculous like you do need it but it's so like it's even look it don't even for marathon training, just the way people do it is just bananas. Like there's just so <laughs> the load on a long run and then just at that pace is just so, so overvalued. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It'd be nice to also get your, uh, your take on what the rest of the week looks like for a neuromuscular runner preparing for a marathon. Like I think the, the weekend long run, that's, it's quite creative. And I guess like um, that, particular type of workout isn't that common i guess from what i've seen um would be curious to get your feedback yeah. and sort of opinions on the rest of the week perfect so the two things you can do so i said the rest of the weeks are because it isn't it is quite an aerobic uh let me go for like a week four here um yeah it's just quite an aerobic um event so you're still going to have some aerobic and as well the other thing as i said is um like we are generally working so i don't like people like and you've said it as well it's the race effort i just like get into the feel of it and even if you feel like you're going a bit easier that's okay intentionally trying to like run the pace or like run the effort is going to be better for you long term than actually trying to go out and constantly run the actual pace that you're going to run so you might have like say um 60 60 like say so monday might be just i do for a marathon i do monday would be like pilates just like to you know keep them injury free uh then we might have like this would be like a week for 60 minutes with five by 10 second hills either in the run or after it so you could just include like you know 10 to 20 seconds and then 40 seconds easy at the end of the run and i would do that for aerobic or i would do it for um the neuromuscular athlete and then you'd have three sets of seven minutes at like zone four so off like that would be threshold with two minutes recovery and then while the uh while the aerobic runner might just do uh the three by seven minutes or we might go um like five by seven minutes the the neuromuscular runner for a marathon might go seven minutes at threshold take two minutes break and then do three by 30 seconds of a hill. Just something to vary the stimulus and get them moving and then do three sets of that. So they're doing seven minutes at like threshold and then three by 30 seconds with a jog back or a walk back, two minutes between the sets. So that's going to take about 70 minutes. Then Thursday will be just 60 minutes easy. You're going to still need like time on your feet. Uh, Friday would be like, you know, your could do a gym you could do a rest you could do like just a myofascial release like foam rolling uh, massage whatever you know if you have a certain area that is tight and then saturday 
if you're doing, you could do a session, which might be like 15 minutes easy, 40 minutes of like minute on like a fast 10K effort, one minute normal pace. If uh, so, and then 15 minutes of a cool down. And then Sunday we would do like an hour 50 and you might have like some surges in that or that might just be your, your longer your longer run in the week. Um, the following week then, as we said, you could put in that type of session that we mentioned where like eight miles is easy and then last four miles is like one mile at marathon pace, one mile easy. So just like two by a hard marathon pace and then we'll increase the miles that are hard up um, you know, as we go trying to get up to about like say uh, our kind of 16 miles, you know, so that would be a 12 mile and go to like 13, 14. Does mm. that make sense? It does. Yeah. You've sort of brought in a couple of general rules of principle because like you say, we're preparing for a marathon in this example. So it is a, you know, an aerobic based sort of activity. You're going to be out there for quite a Yeah. You still a while. need to run a long way. Like, yeah. And so you mentioned time on feet, which is good. And then you've also mentioned as a general rule, it seems like you're varying up the stimulus quite a lot. So the, yeah. the idea is to, um, like you say, trigger the nervous system and sort of get that engaged to the point where you're sort of recognizing the speed that's required on race day, but you're sort of combining that or sort of seesawing it with also time on feet. Yeah, exactly. And even for your aerobic runner, if you're getting ready for a marathon, you'd know yourself, Brody, like um, all running injuries are passive injuries. Like they're mm. all plantar fasciitis, you know, knee pain, hip pain, like patellar tendon, patellar. Overuse so, kind of stuff overuse of the passive structures of the ligaments the tendons and the joints so even for a marathon that's it's the most of that because mm-hmm. the muscular system isn't being used at all so yes you need your pilates or you need your kind of strength work and then adding in even for your aerobic runner like they could do those 30 second hills and it's, it's more of an injury prevention thing it's a getting different getting muscles stimulated getting the core working hard because like like they even put it up on like a lot of the the sites you know like the Dublin Marathon one I don't comment a lot on Facebook just a few years ago it's like the program they were recommending was the most the biggest joke I've ever seen in my life one it was like so heavily loaded to the long run like like people are like oh you know uh, I need to get ready so like because I don't want to get injured on 26 miles it's like what and you don't think 20 miles is going to kill you like you know they're doing like four miles six miles four miles and then this 20 mile run it's like you do not have the conditioning during the week and then the same it's like easy 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 long and easy it's like it's just an overload of that kind of structure so it's like you do need that variety and to do well performance wise there's generally like the guy who came up with the british miters club would talk about four things he'd talk about like you know, good speed in terms of good 10k type pace, time on feet is the second thing, uh, good like aerobic performance, and then making sure you're practicing your kind of nutrition, like they're the key things. So if you're only yeah. hitting time on feet, you're missing like three of the others. Yeah. Going back to this marathon example, um, so we've sort of looked at what a neuromuscular 
preparation might look like. Um, how yeah. does that differ from a, an aerobic? Let's break that down and let's go like a similar week if you can, if you can pull that up. So week four yeah, it's for brilliant. A, an go aerobic. Week four again. Okay, so you know the way the person had it done. So the the Wednesday session, which would be like three minutes at like threshold three by 30 second hill jog back, that would be the same for the neuromuscular or the aerobic. Because hmm. yeah. we're just getting aerobic and then the hills would still be there as a like because it's only 30 seconds even if they're not doing them as hard just intentionally trying to go a little bit quicker is just good for the body to like vary the stimulus they're getting however the saturday session would be much more likely to be um five by seven minutes at 80 and again everything i would do in aerobic would be based off a lactate they'd have to get a lactic threshold test because they need to know what their zones are and and not ever care about the pace of any run of nearly of any run they would just be doing like zone three which is generally about 2.2 minimals would be their marathon pace and they just go on the heart rates so they would mm. do the warm-up and rather than do like minutes on minutes off which might more uh stimulate for a neuromuscular runner they might do like in that scenario like say five by seven minutes so we'll do it's a longer with like 90 seconds of a, a kind of steady jog so it's a longer uh duration they do but it's like less intense and it's more hitting the different aerobic zones so five so that person then will have an aerobic session i'm sorry a lactic threshold session on the wednesday with a little bit of speed the aerobic runner would then have five by seven minutes at i call it marathon pace but it's marathon heart rate it would be what we call aerobic threshold. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's how they would do it. They would do lactic threshold during the week or on the weekend if you want to reverse it and then some aerobic threshold. And again, then their runs, rather than having like specific mile on, mile off, they can have more of your steady long run, like just in keeping that normal kind of traditional time on feet long run because they'll naturally pick it up they'll naturally feel like they can kind of work into different zones there that's what i find yeah. with them anyway and again One of the... for oh sorry for any any event don't get transfixed on trying to hit certain times or getting hired they should just everything should be like the fight the 5k 10k runner is going to roughly run the same there like mm. lactic threshold and aerobic threshold and just keep it on heart rates and don't be going to only go on like strides or if they want to get used to like you know for a 1500 meters or something very fast taking longer recoveries so that they just get used to the pace but there's not that stress on the nervous system it should not feel like a hard session if they're doing something at the race pace yeah and because one thing you mentioned earlier is with the aerobic runners you don't want to fry the nervous system um that yeah. was sort of one of the statements that you made and so it's sort of break uh, the question popped in my head, okay, what is frying the nervous system? It seems like there's kind of like this hard middle ground that does fry the nervous system, but above that with really short, fast stuff, like you talked about, like um, strides or hill sprints or something that sort of is really short, quick. And then if you have a long recovery to bounce back from that, that's not really frying the nervous system. It's just, no, um, no, it's not that's just helping the enough. running economy. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And that stuff is, that's essential for 
an aerobic runner. That's essential because one, even for injury prevention, two, like they are going to be running faster in a race. So you need to have some kind of exposure to it, but it's more on the like rate of perceived exertion. Like while, while with the neuromuscular runner, if I was doing four by a mile at like say 440, so at, even though my, as we said, like established, say my 5k pace might be 432 a mile, it's still like on the day that feels like what a kind of 5k pace would be like. And this has happened. I've seen this in multiple times. That session, even though it's really hard, I would say, you know, a nine out of 10, a 10 out of 10 kind of hard session as a normal muscular runner, like I'm like sapped after it. But when I recover, I'm like better after that. Mm. And then I can do another one of those in like, say a week's time or like 10 days time. And I'm on the track again and I seem to be improved and it starts getting easier. And even my threshold paces seem to improve. When, when the aerobic runner does that similar session, they'll get away with a couple, but over time, Nick McCormack was a good guy. He went to the Olympics in, in, uh, 2016 i want to say but he had been selected or 2012 i can't remember 2012 he did but he had been selected for the 08 like development squad the in the gb team and he went from doing purely aerobic stuff with Lindsay dunn to going down there and because he was good aerobically they'd give him like eight by a k like hired with a short recovery and he was doing them well but over time he then started running terribly and it was only when he was dropped from the GB kind of squad, came back up. I was in Newcastle doing a master's, running with Lindsay, that when he started doing the aerobic stuff again, he really improved. So the aerobic is the, it's the RP. It's the feeling of like these really in hard, hard, intense sessions for an aerobic runner or, or a lot of races seems to make that the next races you don't run as well you actually start like getting worse because they need to keep their aerobic tank topped up. That's the key for them. It's like when the tank is full, they can then like draw on the, draw on the aerobic kind of fuel to hit the race hard. But if they keep kind of dipping in, that's going to erode their aerobic base. And that's the thing they need to do to do well. So like some runners, Jakob Ingebrigtsen, the aerobic runners are, when the aerobic tank is really full, they're kind of using that tank. And then as long as they have some kind of like strides or that the pace doesn't feel ridiculous, they can kind of draw them out of it. Other people like myself, they need to get the engines moving and the aerobic, they can kind of grind into the lactic system and they enjoy that type of, of training. And it seems to bring them on a lot. So yeah, it's like, it's the, it's the rate of perceived exertion um with the session rather than the actual speed like doing 200s doing 100 meter like quicker strides is is absolutely vital even doing race specific efforts is, are fine but you can't have it that it's like they're grinding during the actual rep it has to feel like easy and you're just all they're trying to do is like practice being comfortable at the race pace if that's like a really long recovery that's needed so they can feel afterwards like, oh my God, that was ridiculously hard. Their ridiculously hard sessions are, you know, like say four minutes at like LT, like a lactic threshold, two minutes at um, 
two minutes at 80. So like that, they just go from like one heart rate zone down to the other. They're still running and they do that, say, for 30 minutes. So it's more that like, oh my God, that was a long session. Still worked hard, still really worked, but you haven't you haven't gone into the that kind of high VO2 max, like, you know, where you really need to be digging in. It's just more like looking at the heart rate zones building that zone, topping up that tank, if that makes sense. Mm. I know there's a lot yeah. of analogies flying around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and a lot of people won't get these hand gestures that you're doing on, on the camera as well. <laughs> go but it makes sense to me. Um, the other question I had when you're talking about the different sessions makes me think about like warm-ups. Like even before running takes place, if you're a neuromuscular compared to aerobic, would you need to prepare for a run differently if you're one runner or the other i don't i don't necessarily think so no i think the key thing i would just say for warm-ups is the main thing that people are missing is a thing called vo2 kinetics so what essentially that is is like there was a study that people who did like 30 seconds to 45 seconds at race pace effort 20 to 10 to 20 minutes out before the race then they went back on a treadmill. The people who had done that hard, hard effort and essentially got themselves breathing very hard, it only took them like six seconds to get back up to 100% VO2 max. The people who didn't do that, it took them like 40 seconds. We have that, set, I don't know if you have it, it's like in, in like field sports, it'd be like saying, like catching your second wind. It'd be that thing of like, mm. you know, the game starts and you go on and then the body kind of gets used to it. So that's the one thing I feel like people are missing that in warm-ups. I feel like the warm-up, again, judge it yourself. I would still do your your, your warm-up. Your I do static stretching and then go into your dynamic block and then make sure you do, I do like one long, like 30-second effort in my kind of normal trainers that I would have warmed up in, breathing heavy, I jog back, then I put on my shoe, my like the racers I'm going to race in, and uh, I go from there. I don't necessarily think there's much difference because you're going to need like that big effort anyway, and then a few strides for both because it's not, it's only in the training that, you know, don't do yourself, don't, don't fry that system. If you're a nerve, if you're an aerobic runner, top up your thinking always of you needing to top up the aerobic tank and then using that full tank to hit a hard race or you're neuromuscular and you're you need those race stimuluses to kind of wake up your system mm. you mentioned uh well i guess people would naturally sort of have an intuitive sense of whether they are a neuromuscular or an aerobic runner and a lot of this they can pull like examples in their training of when things they haven't responded well they have responded well but yeah. if someone's still a little bit unsure is there any particular tests or things that you might recommend um, to see if they are more in one camp compared to the other? To be fair, this is only kind of a new concept, really. You know, as I said, I only kind of had been thinking about it and then I would have talked to Jason on strength training about it. Um, so I haven't thought of any tests. I think the way you said it is the best is uh, for six weeks, tr like, you know, if you have a target 5K or 10K and you've always done the aerobic type of training, um, you know, add in one one session per week where 
you just look at interval type training and do that and see how your how you respond because i've had people email me after that saying yeah i found that i went back doing much more aerobic training and i've never hit the same pbs as i did when i was hitting the the workouts and then vice versa you might have someone that you always do track work maybe having getting a lactic threshold test which i recommend for anybody anyway and just using heart rate zones like exclusively with some strides even when people are saying no no we need to get onto the track try that and see how you race then say one or two races and just judge it that way i think that's the best way to do it yeah well said and like i say six weeks sounds like a lot but not in the midst of okay you finally found out what type of runner you are and then you can you know morph all of your training for the rest of your life to that specific type it's it's really blink of an eye and good investment and um, it's not like we're saying like you know go out and do handstands in your back garden for six <laughs> weeks and you come back with a, a belly on you like we're saying like worst case you know you go back to the other type of training and you've given yourself some kind of stimulus that you, you you'd be surprised you know so you're still going to be fit it's just you mightn't be exactly appropriate for yourself yeah as we wrap up, any other final tips? Any other things that we may not have discussed or final takeaways that you want to discuss? You know what's so funny? To? When we, we sent the questions over and you're like, oh God, I wonder, it, it's funny. like you were a great host here. It's like, I could talk about this for another hour. Yeah, <laughs> I, feel like, I know. You know, you could get in, it's funny when you get into something, you think, all right, this is only, you can nearly explain this in like three minutes or you can spend, they say like 55 going through it. No, I think there, I think that's a good one. And I think that warm up tip i've just given if people started doing that they'd they'd notice a big difference and i that's one that nobody nobody's doing um that they should be doing that like extended stride say 10 minutes out or 20 minutes out before you do your your race that's going to help your park runs big time yeah absolutely and where can people know more about you like where do you have like a website or social media or anything? Yeah. That um, people want to probably more? best place is I have a book, like it's a free book. It's called get to the line in the best shape possible. So it's just like a collection of like articles I've written and stuff like that. So you can get that at Everard, which is E V E or A R D Pilates, P I L A T E S dot com forward slash book. It's in the show notes. People can Great. find that. Brody, I absolutely love this. This is brilliant. Yeah, and more than happy to get you back on if you feel like there's another hour of content in here because I've had a great time chatting about it. Very practical. And one of the, some of my favorite episodes are the ones that haven't been talked about on this podcast before, which this one definitely hasn't. And it's a game changer, can be a game changer for a lot of people and it's got a lot of practical takeaways. So thanks very much for sharing. Yeah, and if people have like questions, just like, email Brody with them or they can contact me and what we could do is like as I said if we got a few questions because sometimes people are listening going oh my god in my specific scenario like the more specific the better like I'll, I'll share whatever training they want you know like so it's like oh I have this 10k what would I do or yeah we can answer any I'd love to come back on and we can just chat through excellent maybe a Q&A is on the cards all right Owen thanks very much for joining me thank you Brody And that concludes another Run Smarter lesson. I hope you walk away from this episode feeling empowered and proud to be a Run Smarter scholar. Because when I think of runners like you who are listening, I think of runners who recognize the power of knowledge, who don't just learn, but implement these lessons, who are done with repeating the same injury cycle over and over again, who want to take an educated, active role in their rehab, 
who are looking for evidence-based long-term solutions and will not accept problematic quick fixes. And last but not least, who serve a cause bigger than themselves and pass on the right information to other runners who need it. I look forward to bringing you another episode and helping you on your Run Smarter path.